Bonananian. Going from, you know, an everyday Ford, a Chevy, something more mainstream to an Audi is really going from that dollar cup of coffee to the $5 cup of coffee. It's a lifestyle change. doctor was the oil changed recently at all yeah it was just changed a week ago and maybe the people that changed it if they did something or just do something you know? well but you know yeah i mean it's easy to you know ever since the ever since syndrome but let's start with basics yeah. how about let's just check oil level welcome to the radio home of ron and Anian, the car doctor since 1991 this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now... R-E-S-P-E-C-T, find out what it means to me. Welcome. Start your engines alone. Welcome, Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900, cardoctorshow.com. A nod to the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin. You know, it, it, it's funny just to touch on this real quick as we kick off this hour of the Car Doctor and acknowledge her passing and her greatness, um, really and truly. I remember years and years ago hearing the director of the Blues Brothers, right? Remember the Blues Brothers movie? And it was John Landis, wasn't it John Landis who directed the Blues Brothers? Yes, it was. And I remember him saying, somebody asked him the question, uh, for whatever reason they said, so what was really the significance of the Blues Brothers? You know, was it the comedy? Was it the car chases? And he said, absolutely not. He said it was capturing these pieces of American music forever on, on, on film. And I never understood that. Now as I watch them all go, right, Aretha just went, John Lee Hooker is gone, Ray Charles is gone, James Brown is gone. And you think about the greats. Cab Calloway passed away uh, two years ago, I think. He was... Uh, it's been more than that. Is it more than that? Yeah. Um, you just look at it and you say, yeah, that's that's what that movie's about. He's He really captured a time in American music and the car chases and, you know, the whole thing there. But, um, uh, yeah, just just really classic stuff, but uh, to the late, great Aretha. Yeah, Tom? You just mentioned uh, Ray Charles. I was in the, um, I think it was Washington Dulles Airport one day, and I was standing there at the luggage belt. Ray Charles was in town, and there's roadies, and they're offloading equipment and offloading boxes, and this thing that looks like a coffin comes down the belt, and it on the side, Ray Charles, and they took the thing off, and I looked at them and went, for the mo- amount of money that guy makes, you think he'd fly first class. I thought they were going to bust a nut. <laughs> uh, he's all ours, folks. Tom Ray. No felony. No, no, whatever. So let's go over to the phones. I understand Ellis is in town. Look at this. Now, Now this is a this is a story and a half. Bring Ellis up. Turn up Ellis's mic. Ellis, welcome to the car, doctor, buddy. How are you today? I'm uh, doing pretty good, Ron. Yeah. I, you know, listen, I, you know, we sort of know each other. It's got to be 15 years now. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's, and I met you on radio 15 years ago, and you used to call up and tell us the stories about driving the cars around the cornfield and hiding them out in the cornfield. <laughs> and uh, you know, we, we we started talking about you. Tony and I started talking about you probably a month ago, and I said, "Gee, we haven't heard from Ellis in a while," and I, I wonder if he's okay. And lo and behold, here you are, brother. How are you? 
Yeah, doing pretty good. But what happened? I've called before, but I called the wrong number. I thought you said eight five five nine six zero ninety nine hundred, and you were saying five six zero. And I listened at you last week on Harrisonburg, which I listened to you on Sundays at the pre-show, and. I said, now he didn't say nine six zero. He said five six zero. And I dialed yesterday, and then I found out I had dialed wrong. So I don't know who I've been leaving messages with, but I've been dialing the wrong number. Well, it, uh, <laughs> fortunately for us, they never called you back, so we we get to keep you as 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 one of our show roadies. Um, right. Uh, you know, listen, I and I understand that uh, you know our our birthday month is the same. It was just your birthday, brother, August sixth. So happy birthday from the car. Yeah, August sixth, right? Yeah. Uh, now, how are you? How old are you now? Seven seven. Seventy seven years young. God yeah, bless man. you. So what are you what are you what are you driving out there in that corner? Well, field? that's right. I got rid of the old old cars, but the only thing I have now is, is to play with. See, I live on forty acres of property, right. and, and it's my, I got an old nineteen seventy GMC with a V six in it, uh, uh, truck, fourteen foot flatbed dump bed, and. I'm driving, well, I'm not driving, but I have to get somebody to take me. Well, just a matter of fact, when yesterday got $100 worth of fuel, there I found some posters to be no ethanol gas. And I'm wondering, is that necessary for me to do that? In that old model truck, I uh, understood that that ethanol wasn't too good for that old truck. And well, you know, eth ethanol as a rule isn't great in older vehicles if the fuel is going to sit. So if you can find non-ethanol fuel for it, yeah, by all means. The, you know, because I imagine in your case, you're just out driving around the back 40. Um, that truck tends to sit a lot, right? Right, and it still sits a lot. And so I don't. I have to make myself uh, drive this. So I don't mind going getting the, the fuel at all to save the old truck, but it runs like a 2018. This is, uh, it, it runs like a new truck, and, yeah. and uh, I use it around on. I got farm use tags on it. No tag, no you know, no. A state tag, so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm to take care of those things. That's the only thing I got in my power saws to play with. Now you don't you don't get behind the wheel at all anymore, Ellis? No, not on a road. Just just around. I got a tractor and I got your truck, and just around on my uh, my place. Then I got another place I used to live. It's got about 90 acres. And I go up there every now and then and play around. And yeah. I'm, I'm gonna put that for sale. Yeah. Um, but I, I just uh, the image of you driving around the cornfields in that in that Cadillac just always gave me a giggle, man. Right. Um, that's that's the indomitable American spirit, right? Never never give up, never surrender. That's uh, right. Yeah, man. So uh, what do you do with yourself these days? Well, that's about it. Like cut grass and uh, cut uh, firewood. I sell firewood on the side. Try to make me a little. Buy me a little extra uh, snack or something. You yeah. Know? yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah, so definitely good talking with you. I want to hold the show up, and uh, and I'm glad I got that number right so I could hear your voice again. I wish I knew how to get you live on Saturdays, but I, like I said, I can't. I don't have a computer. I can't because, like I said, with my eyes bad, and I don't spend that much time. You know, inside and all. So, yeah, well, that's okay. We understand, but uh, we we appreciate it, Ellis, and uh, you keep you you keep it up out there. We uh, we'd love to count you among the listenership, right, brother? Right, Brian. Okay, and appreciate talking to you. I'll listen to myself again tomorrow. Yeah, you will. You will absolutely tomorrow morning <laughs> okay. in Harrisonburg. Take good care, Ellis. Same um, here. So, what do you say? Yeah, we got Ellis back. All right, now that that counts for a whole lot. Let's go over and talk to Nick in Missouri, 07 Ford F one fifty, and this is the airbag vehicle from last week. Nick, what's going on with this truck? 
Oh, I don't know. It just it just stays on. It just all of a sudden it came on, and you know I don't I'm don't know nothing. And I think I told you the mechanic I took it to. We looked, looked, and he just stuck a a little snake camera back in a place underneath the center. Uh, it's not really a console, but it's a split bench seat. Right. And stuck it in there. And there's another more wires and a module and thing underneath there. And, he thought maybe that's where it was, but the only way to do it is to take that take that did intersection. You, did you happen to get the trouble code for me? I did. Okay, what it's, do you got? It's it's B one eight eight four. Okay, and it, has he tried clearing it? And does that return? Do you know? Yeah, we cleared it, and it just came. It just came back immediately. Okay, came back on. And and it comes and, up. It comes up a passenger airbag disable, and then a warning, a warning lamp circuit failure. <clears throat> okay. It, okay. So let me let me explain it like this: airbags work off resistance values. All right. The the way the computer checks itself is it's looking at specific resistance values and and voltage through a circuit to decide. Is the componentry connected, and is it capable of doing its job? All right. The, the 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 first thing you want to do for this particular fault, just to verify it, chances are it's okay. Is you want to go to fuse number twenty-seven. It's a little five-amp fuse in the central junction box. The central junction box is the one inside the vehicle. And I'll and I'll make this easy. It's it's just fuse number twenty-seven. You want to make sure it's there. Simple, stupid stuff, right? Um, yeah, it, 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 okay. it is. We pulled it out and looked, and it's it's good. It it's there. Good. It's got power on yeah. both sides. Yeah. Okay. Then go take the uh, passenger airbag lamp out, the pad lamp, as they call it. All right. Take it out. You know, take it out of the dash. You can get to the back of it with it connected and the key on. Check the gray yellow wire. It should have battery voltage from the fuse, because that's what so the fuse how you, feeds. How do you, how do you get to that lamp? Well, that lamp's got it. Yeah, part of the dash has to come. Listen, I didn't say this was going to be easy. Um, (laughs) I'm just going to tell you the diagnosis, brother. All right? Um, None of this is easy. That's why why not everybody can do this. All right? Yeah. But you want to to get to that. You want to get to that lamp, and there's going to be a gray-yellow and a black-yellow. You want to check and make sure the gray-yellow has battery voltage on it. All right? Okay, I'm writing this, trying to write this. Gray-yellow has... As battery. Right. Okay, and then you want voltage. to check the black yellow for, for battery voltage also. And you want to make sure he uses a voltmeter, not a test light. Very important when you're working with airbags. Okay. Gray yellow for battery voltage and black yellow for battery voltage right. with the, a voltmeter. Right. And the black yellow is the feed out of that pad lamp assembly. All right. Okay. If if there's no now watch, all of a sudden this is going to make sense to you. If there's no voltage on that black yellow, but obviously there's voltage coming in, the pad lamp is bad. Yeah. All right. Even though it even though it's showing up. Right. You know even even though it's lit up in the dash now. Right. Just 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 covering the bases. Okay. Yeah. Because the next yeah. step well, the, the next step becomes. If you have power coming out of the pad lamp, then we've got to go and find the restraint module, and we've got to get into a couple of connectors and look at voltage and powers at the pins. And that's not the common stuff. The indicator is the more common. Yeah. 
Well, I guess my deal, I don't even know whether my uh, airbag's working or not, I guess. is. It won't know. be. If, if, the air, if the service airbag or an airbag warning lamp is lit, the airbag will not work in that vehicle. Period. Well, that wouldn't be too good if I had a passenger. No. So unless it's somebody you don't like, no, I can't say that. That's not polite. Yeah. Well, um, you know, yeah. Well, um, you know, it's a yeah. mother-in-law's uh, in law. Well, yeah. Um, but okay. That's, that's well, the it test sounds process. like a lot of sounds like a lot of work to me for something that's. I could just get a piece of black tape and put it over the. No, you can't it. do that, dude. Then what? Like you say, what if what if you're in the car and and what if it's what if you're the passenger and somebody's driving you around? They don't drive my truck. Well, <laughs> I can't uh, listen. I, I can't. I can't argue this point, but I get it. Um, I get it. I, but I know what you mean. Yeah, doing. that's the listen. Nothing. Nothing is easy in auto repair. That's the catch. It's. It's. You know, if yeah. if it was that easy, then everybody would be doing it today. All right. Yeah. But that's well, that's well, the routine. I, that's where you got to go with this. All right. I appreciate it. All right, Nick. Good luck to you. Let me know what you end up doing. All righty. Bye bye. Thank you. You're welcome. 855-560-9900-560-9900. Got to be polite for Ellis. I'm Ron Anini in the car, Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Little GTO, you really look and Three deuces and a four-speed and a 389. Need advice on how to maintain that classic GTO? Ron is the guy. 855-560-9900. Here's Ron. Hey, let's get over and talk to Kitty in Harrisonburg, Virginia, 2010 Honda Cross Tour. Kitty, welcome to the car doctor. How can I help? Well, I have done a little bit of research on this and got so many different conflicting responses that I didn't know where to go, so I came to you. All right, let's see what we can do for you. What do you got? Well, I have, uh, uh, when I downshift, when I'm braking, uh, and it's occasional, it's not all the time, but I like a hard brake to to come down a stop, uh, there's a thunk, like a downshift from third to second or from second to first. Okay. I thought it was second to first, but other people, in, when I Googled it, talked about it being from third to second. And I spoke to my regular mechanic, and he suggested an oil change. And he's been my mechanic for 20 years, so I trust him. But then um, I called a transmission specialist that I've known for 40 years, and I asked him about it because I thought it would be a little che- I was just checking prices, and I thought it would be a little cheaper since he, he's in the business for transmission oils. And he said he had never done an oil trans- uh, transmission oil change on a Honda. And so I'm going, whoa, here, now what? <laughs> hmm. So which question do we want to talk about first? Um, well, is an oil change, is it a chance that an oil change might be a remedy, or is that a normal thing for a Honda six-cylinder or four-wheel drive to have a transmission issue like that where it does normally have a thunk. How many miles are on this car, Kitty? 100,000. Okay. Have you and ever... it's had its service for 100,000. You've never had the trans serviced in 100,000 miles? I'm... Say it again. Have, have you ever had the trans fluid changed in the past 100,000 miles? No. I had. Um, I bought it at 80,000, and I, I, as far as I know, it's never been serviced. And okay. I don't even think the manual calls for it. Right. Well, none of the Honda manuals call for the transits to be serviced because they last forever until they don't. The que- <laughs> the, which is, you know, that's that's the deal. Um, the, the question becomes, what trans is this? Is this a, if this is a CVT? Most of the manufacturers, a constant velocity transmission. Most of the most of the vehicle manufacturers say, ah, it never needs to be changed. 
Of course, my argument is if it never needs to be changed, then why do they still make fluid for it? But that's just my way of thinking. Call me silly. Um, we typically serviced most CVT transmissions on most manufacturers in the 60 to 80,000 mile mark, if you follow the school of thought that nothing lasts forever. Um, could that be your clunk? Could be. Um, I'd like to talk about that a little bit more. My, my first comment or question would be, how does the trans upshift? Does it upshift okay? Do you feel it to be smooth during an upshift? And when if you, everything else works normal. Okay, and when you talk about this, this downshift thunk, is this something you feel under your foot, or do you feel that it's the transmission itself downshifting hard? It's the transmission itself. It's not under the foot. Okay. So if it's the transmission itself, um, I would consider a fluid change. Um, I, well, I would say it like this. First, I'd find out what trans this is. If this is a CVT at the 100,000-mile mark, it's, it's overdue. And if it's a regular Honda trans, regular Honda trans fluid, it's way overdue. Um, because we typically service regular Honda transes that take the Type H fluid, Oh, every 25 to 30, we're a little fanatical. We've seen them go as much as 50 and 60, but the problem becomes when the fluid gets real dirty and beat up, now you can aggravate the situation and, and, and create issues. But, you know, you want this to last. So when do you want to deal with this? When the trans finally breaks or do you want to try and resurrect what you got? Um, I would ask your current mechanic to check, A, check the fluid is it, and ask him this question. Is it traditional Honda trans fluid? He'll, he'll, he'll know what we mean by that, all right? Um, is it traditional Honda trans fluid, and what color is it? Does it appear to have um, a, a redness to it, a pinkness to it? If it does, let's change it. The other thing I would have somebody do is check for, I don't know how many bulletins off the top of my head, but I would definitely be looking for a possible software update for the trans to modify its downshift characteristics. I would do those two things first, then call me back and we can talk about it further because software may fix this car as well. I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor. We're back right after this. Back, Ron Anini, the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900, um, cardoctorshow.com, you know, podcasting. By the way, thanks to the podcast numbers. Keep climbing. We appreciate that. Get on over to Spreaker or just do it right through cardoctorshow.com. I want to talk a little bit about Tesla. Um, wait, what a mess this is, right? Great article in New Jersey Automotive Magazine. Um, you can find it online. Just Google search New Jersey Automotive. It's the August 2018 uh, issue. This is um, uh, actually, they don't say who the author was. Um, I just took, oh, I'm sorry, Joel Gostin. I know Joel. Uh, matter of fact, we've had Joel, Joel on the show before. Um, we've worked with New Jersey Automotive, as everybody must know, for years and years and years. And he, he wrote a really great article regarding, um, it's titled, Grand Vision's Harsh Realities, Tesla Stumbles into Collision Repair. And I've got to admit, I never really thought about the collision side of this. You know, obviously, my brain is always geared towards mechanical, because that's where I, I, I live. That's where I spend my day. And it was really sort of an interesting article. He starts off asking, do you have $70,000 to spend on a headache? Um, okay. That's what one New Jersey-based shop owner estimates he invested in training and equipment necessary to become a Tesla-certified shop last year. Can you imagine dedicating your body shop to where you're just going to fix one type of car? Um, you know, not that you're not, that's all you're doing, but, you know, seventy grand to become Tesla-certified. 
with OEM certifications all the rage. That's true. Ford does, you know, like I remember when the Ford aluminum truck body came out. Ford, you had to get aluminum body certified in order to repair them. Um, and Tesla's rep, 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 let me see if I can get this right. Tesla's reputation for technological innovation. The veteran repairer believed that aligning his business with the manufacturer would give him a competitive edge. Unfortunately, Joel Gostin goes on to write New Jersey Automotive, what first appeared to be a worthwhile endeavor has resulted in added stress to his already hefty workload. I'm not pleased with Tesla, the shop owner stated. It cost me thousands to get certified, but here's the reality. This is what got my attention. I can't get parts. <laughs> At his facility, it's not uncommon for a medium-sized Tesla hit to sit around for months waiting for the correct parts to arrive. Sadly, this appears to be far from an isolated occurrence in an industry based on returning vehicles to the road as swiftly as possible. New Jersey Automotive's recent conversations with various East Coast shops indicate that Tesla is failing to meet the standards of efficiency and communication that certified facilities expect. When you call Tesla, you might as well put that, just put that, Phone down because you're on hold for hours, observes another Tesla certified shop owner who recently waited five months for an airbag to arrive. We eventually just give up and disconnect. How can that be? How can you, you know, how can your car gets, you're in an accident and it's five months to get parts or four months to get parts? That's insanity. And then you've got to think about what's going to be the cost to insure these cars. And you know who's really going to pay for this? You and I the non-Tesla driving public, because our insurance premiums are going to be thrown in the collective pool with the Tesla driving public, and because they can't get their cars back and the costs to repair them are higher, they're also going to have to be in loaners that are rentals, which dries up the cost of a repair, which means that it's their premiums are going to go up as a result. All of our collective premiums are going to go up. Is this the kind of treatment that a certified shop for any OEM should ever receive? Joel Gostin goes on to write New Jersey Automotive, August 2018 issue. Certified shops on Tesla's program came up with the money to send their techs to training, cover their flights, put them up at hotels, and make the necessary equipment upgrades to handle Tesla's demands. The sting gets even worse when you look at what's happening at Tesla service departments. I don't know what's, hap what's happening at Tesla service departments, I wonder. I know their service departments take priority over Tesla certified shops, observes another certified repair. We've waited five or six weeks for mechanical parts at their shops have been able to get in a week. Whew. So let's see. So that means that they're saying Tesla shows favoritism. Hmm. Excruciating parts delays, poor communication, disappointed certified shops. Any one of these issues should be a sign for Tesla to hit the pause button. How about we can't build a car that, well, that's a whole other story. Um, to hit the pause button, take a serious look at its relationship and work to make things right. However, Tesla's apparent solution to its shop-related woes is to dive into the repair business itself. In early June, CEO Elon Musk told shareholders at a meeting in Mountain View, California, that the company planned to create its own body shops in the top 10 areas in the country by the end of that month. This will be a dramatic improvement in the cost and time of body repair, he announced. In fact, we think we may be able to do for a lot of them same-day body repair. If we go to a third party, in best cases, it's about a week. In some cases, it's several weeks. I don't understand. How how can he fix something? First of all, you know what? These guys that come out and say, hey, we're going to open up our own body shops and we'll fix it better than anybody. At what price? Where's the, where's the the What's the profitability? Trust me, to be in the body shop business, I defy anybody to jump into the body shop business in New Jersey with the price of real estate alone, property taxes, insurance, and everything else before you turn dollar one in a repair facility, finding the location 
is is a task unto itself. And you know, you're gonna you're gonna turn a profit just that quick, and you're gonna get parts just that quick when the certified shops that have spent the seventy thousand dollars can't get parts that quick. What's wrong with this picture? Um, I, I think Tesla's ego is writing checks his body can't cash. Uh, Joel Gostin goes on the right. Let me get the page two. Um, where are we? Page two. While these words are certainly ambitious, they appear, at least for the moment, to be more talk than action. As of mid-July, Musk's promised auto body facilities were only up and running in Washington, Texas, Florida, Nevada, Georgia, Maryland, Illinois, and California. While Tesla-owned facilities were not in the Garden State at press time, shops report that the automaker is aggressively advertising for technicians. That's another problem. All of a sudden, you're going to take, you're going to create technicians, you're going to create a shop. It doesn't fall out of the sky like that. You know, this reminds me of a few years back, maybe it's 10 years back, I, I kind of forget time. But the vehicle manufacturers, I remember the stories about Ford was going to get into an all-makes, all-models auto repair and GM had talk of it. Chrysler had talk of it. They wanted to tap into servicing all makes, all models. That didn't work out too well, did it? He Naturally, these job opportunities are not for entry-level repairs. These are high-tech roles that must be filled by people with the highest level of training possible. Who are the people in New Jersey most qualified to meet these requirements? Texas certified shops. Who paid to train the techs? The certified shops that can't get Tesla on the phone. Joel's right. Right. So, you know, here we go. Tesla's going to just try and level the playing field and steal text from the shops that supported him in their program to get themselves nowhere. But behind the eight ball, waiting for parts from a guy that can't deliver, but he's going to deliver parts. I, you know, once again, I think the electric car business, maybe it's the future. Maybe it's where we're going and I can see where it will be one day. But I think that um, the price of business along the way is is going to really create a lot of stress and turmoil in an already technologically filled world that we live in, and I just can't see it as being a viable choice and a viable source. So um, you can find this online. I'll try and post the link. Maybe I'll try and post the link up on uh, Facebook, on the Car Doctor Facebook page. I'll find it and see if I can get you right to it. It's on uh, starts on page 42 of New Jersey Automotive, August 2018 issue. I thought it was a great article about Tesla and some of the realities of of, of, of what it takes to fix these cars, these these electronic cars, these electrical cars, and um, all that that entails. So uh, tip of the hat to Joel from New Jersey Automotive. Uh, I thought it was a great article. 855-560-9900. Let me pull over, take a pause. When I come back, we'll go right to the busy phones. Don't go away. Running the Car Doctor, we are back. Um, I just posted up on the Car Doctor Facebook page the article from New Jersey Automotive Magazine. Um, you will have to manually turn the page. There, there. I couldn't get a direct link, but I brought you to the August 2018 edition. It begins on page 42. Just hit the side arrows and scroll over. Good article, worth reading, and it, it talks about the nightmare of what fixing some of these cars, all these cars at this present time, is going to be like. So uh, another reason that uh, we have to question the electric cars and the way Tesla's doing it to market. Let's get over and talk to John, a return caller from Florida, 83 Camaro. And uh, this was the stalling car from last week, and I understand uh, that's fixed. We've got something else going on. John, welcome back, sir. How can we help you today? Uh, yes. Yeah, we, we figured out what the the reason was for the stalling. What, what was it? the vacuum. One of the vacuum lines were were clogged, I guess. Okay, um, clogged or off or? Oh, well, it was plugged. So we we I, we just had to unplug it and uh, and it was fine. All right, which that. which which vacuum line was that? I'm not 100 percent sure which one it was. To be quite honest with you, but um, something I, I talked so, to the... something coming into the carburetor. Yeah, I believe mm-hmm. so. Yeah. 
and it was just robbing the the motor of, of vacuum, I guess. And so. where's the idle speed now? Uh, it's it's at, we we uh, brought it down to where you you uh, you liked, where around uh, seven eight hundred. And, and it runs um, fine, right? Runs perfect. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So what do you got going on today? So the other the other issue, and, the, and, the, and it's really the only the only issue I have left is. Uh, so we rebuilt this motor uh, from top to bottom uh, about uh, about a year ago, and uh, we, it, it's now the rear main seal has started leaking. Okay. Uh, it's a very it's a very minor leak, and uh, when I when I talked to the mechanic, he, he's telling me that uh, the the type of motor that we have in there it's a late seventies uh, three fifty. Uh, motor and uh, they typically uh, leaked from the rear main seal, uh, and he says that it's, it's not something I really need to worry about. Mm. Uh, so mm. I, I don't know if it's something I should really do or not. So let me ask you this question: Are, Did we have the conversation last week? It's on the fringe of my memory about how this motor is vented. Um, does this have a PCV valve in it? It does. It does. Okay. And the PCV. I'm gonna ask a stupid question. Is the PCV is functioning? It's. It's. Um, you know, obviously, it's working. It's not just in there for display pieces purposes. Yeah. No, no, it works. Yeah. Okay. And you've got a breather in one of the valve covers. I do. Okay. So you know, we've got enough crankcase. You know, we've got enough uh, venting, so we, we we're not building up excess crankcase pressure. Um, just for giggles, if you want to, if you if you if we want to see if this has anything to do with crankcase pressure, what you could try doing is, you know, just wash down the suspected oil leak area, and pop the engine oil dipstick out just a touch, just okay. just just enough to let it breathe. We're gonna okay. make we're gonna make another source or another point of pressure relief in the crankcase. Okay. Drive the car. Chances are it's still going to leak, but we'll feel better knowing that we tried that. All right. Um, it just, right. it just, it, you know, I've, I, I, once in a while I've, I've, I've alleviated the problem just by pointing out, hey, it's too much crankcase pressure. Maybe we got to add a breather. Maybe we got to, you know, modify the PCV orifice, which would mean we'd have to change <laughs> some setups in the carb. And uh, you know, I, I, you know, it's oh, it's a never-ending process, man. You're always chasing yourself. And I just wanted, to, I just want to be sure that before I take you down the next path, that we've covered the basis. So just, just try that. It's, it's quick, cheap, quick, cheap, easy, and simple. It's, it's kind of like Tom Ray. Um, then you can, once you establish that. Are we sure it's the rear main seal? And before you answer that, all right, mm -hmm. is it only from down under? Could it be a leak at the rear of the, you know, top of the intake coming down the sides of the motor and dripping off the bottom corner of the pan, making it look like a rear main? Well, he was he was pretty adamant that it was the rear main. Okay, uh, and uh, he's 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 been around the block. This mechanic, so okay. I I, I, tr I trust him. Uh, this is like the first mechanic that I've trusted in a good. long time. Okay, honestly. good, 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 good. Then let's fix yeah. it. I mean, it's well, and understand what's involved in fixing it. This should be a two-piece rear main. All right. right. Yep. Um, this should it be a two-piece rear main seal. So, in order to fix this, the oil pan has to come down, and we're going to work upside down, pulling down the main cap, spinning the seal around. You know, right. do you do you want to do it now? No, it's probably a good wintertime project. All right. Okay. Um, just to see where that goes, and I'll, I'll tell you what. Just just hang on one second, John. Let me let me not rush this. Let me pull over and take the pause. When I come back, we'll finish up. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. The car doctor will return right after this. Don't go away. 
we're back. We're on Indian the Car Doctor. John, Florida, you're still there, babe, 83 Camaro. Yeah, so here. Okay, so this is a two-piece rear main. For you know, for knowledge's sake, the oil pan comes down, and the last main cap comes down off the crank. Oil pump comes out, and you know the seal has to be spun around in order to change it out of the upper half of the cap. All right. Right. Um, he's not lying. It is a little tedious. All right. It really depends on how big of a leak this is. You know, but I'm kind of one of those guys. I like I like things to not leak. I'm just built that way. Um, well, I, I am too, and uh, I definitely am one of those people that as soon as I see something wrong, I have to fix it immediately. Right. Yep. Uh, but uh, when he when I was talking with him, he said that it's one of the things that this type of motor tends to do um, after a little while. And he said, you know, I could replace it, but it's just going to end up leaking sooner or later again. And I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily buy that. I've got to tell you, I, I don't remember. And I was there. I don't remember the 70s being, a, you know, an age of oil leakers. Um, I'll tell you this, my 72 Monte Carlo that uh-huh. I, I picked up out of Texas uh, two years ago. It's got 41,000 miles on it. Um, maybe I got the only one that it didn't happen to, but there's a car, 41,000 original miles, never been touched. And it doesn't leak a drop of oil. And the car's, oh, wow. the, the car's how old? Uh, 1972. It's 2018. Do the math. It's yeah. you know, it's it's not its first day at the rodeo, um, you know. Is it a tedious job? Yeah. Is it is it again? How big is the leak? Um, I get what he's saying. Uh, you know, it is a performance application. Uh, you know, I hear there's some performance engine builders all the time, which I don't understand. I, you know, um, and truth be yeah. told, I'm still chasing an oil leak in the hot rod that 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 comes and goes, and I believe that to be rear main seal. And with me, it's a matter of time. Um, I've got to pull the trans, pull the clutch, pull the bell housing, uh, you know, pull the scatter right. shield, et cetera. So it's a lot of work um, for something right. that puts a couple of drops on the ground every, you know, every two, three months. Uh, you know, and the answer I got from the engine builder was, "Yeah, they all do that. It's a hot rod." Yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. I don't. I, I don't get it. I, you know. So um, one of these days, I'm, uh, you know, I'm thinking that maybe I'll just, I'll just, uh, I'll, I'll replace the rear main seal by replacing the engine, and that solves the whole problem. Um, that'll do it. Yep, that'll, <laughs> that'll do it. So, but um, just just mention to him if he does do the rear main, and I'm sure he knows this trick. He's an old, sounds like he's an old dog like me. You know, it's yep. a, it's a split rear main, so there's an upper half and a lower half. Offset the two halves. Just 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 tell him that. Tell him you read it somewhere so you don't insult him. All right, just tell him you read somewhere that you offset the two halves so that instead of lining up the half a seal with the parting line where the cap sits, if it's offset just a little bit then it gives it a better chance at sealing and not leaking because the area that's uncovered is now permanently caught between the two halves. Look it up online. You'll see what I'm saying. John, let me know what you end up doing. Till the next time, I'm Ron and the Car Doctor. Good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.